This week on the Push Ball Lace podcast, are you getting too much protein? We review the review, and I talk a little bit of mini band placement for better glutes. Three, two, one. What a crazy day, Dan. Hey guys, welcome to the Push Pull Legs podcast with myself, Damik. And me, Tom Hall. What's going on, bud? Mate, you are so lit, there's fires everywhere you go. Bro. <laughs> what happened? Literally fires. So, um, yeah, interesting day. Went to work. <laughs> had a seven. I so I had six clients booked in today, and then uh, so during fifteen minutes into my first one, Roz, you know who Roz is, Dan. Been training her for about four and a half years. Um, yeah. Good girl. She's still, for, got, she's still not got body yet. <laughs> I know. Prepping her for a triathlon. Mad. Um, and then uh, yeah, so it's just warming up. Then all the power cut out. Wonderful in the gym. Bearing in mind we're a basement gym. Um, so we've got a little bit of light, which we kind of go towards anyway. But this is 7.15. I hope she finished her set of deadlifts, mate. <laughs> 7.15 in the morning. We are just warming up. She was doing some like T-Rex pull-aparts. Um, that's about it. And then, so all the lights went out. I just put, the, we got some like safety lights that normally come on. Didn't come on. Very odd. Um, but obviously it's 7 a.m. So gym's pretty packed, to be honest. Well, quite full. And uh, so I just put the light up on my phone and put that up. I was like, don't worry, it'll probably come back on in a minute. It's fire alarms, these things happen, right? And then, um, yeah, so it was a real fire <laughs> at the gym in third space. One of those, um, one of those real fires. One of the real fires that was happening. Yeah, so quite pre- dangerous, they are. Pre- previous day, that like the electricity cut out like three times within like three hours. I found quite odd. And then obviously this morning, 7.15 in the morning, we were all standing outside. There was smoke gushing out. If anybody sees my Instagram stories or a girl called Hannah Fuller took to pretty like devastating one, which is like smoke gushing out of the side of the hotel. So we have a hotel above the gym. Um, and then it was electrical fire. So we had three uh, fire engines all come crashing down. Um, we, we, to be honest, me and Rose, as soon as we got out, we were like, we grabbed, uh, she didn't grab a bag. She grabbed a fucking coat. Um, but she grabbed a <laughs> grabbed a coat. I grabbed my coat, and then we were. Oh, there was like about a hundred of us outside or so. And then um, we were, immediate thought was just like, should we go get a coffee? Um, yeah. Okay. Cool. Just go. <laughs> we went and got a coffee. Came back. Like four fire engines were rocking up. Um, yeah. So electrical fire, and then we were kind of standing outside for like forty-five minutes to an hour. Then we got told to walk down to another place uh, where we were meant to be. I know there for safety but there's a there's a bit of a lack of like uh i guess when there's such a when it's electrical fire everything shut out so there wasn't any electricity to like print out a sheet that how many people were in the gym so we had no idea because you don't sign yourself in using like a, a tick sheet which maybe one might need to do you just like um so i think they did yeah. the best they could got everybody away to safety and no one was hurt which is good um just somebody that was in the room above where the, I think the fire was happening was full of smoke. But luckily, one of the concierge guys that works for us uh, used to work at the hotel, so jumped in and uh, went up the fire escape and opened the fire escape for the guy. And so nobody was hurt. Well done, fire team and all those guys, fire warden. Yeah, happy happy endings essentially. But now the gym is closed for two days, and I've basically had to cancel about ten sessions. Um, but I'm going to be training out of Soho tomorrow. So if anybody's in Soho. You'll be seeing me with a couple of my guys. Should be wonderful. Yeah, it's good fun. Well, it's just it's not your average Tuesday. Is it? <laughs> it wasn't. You know? I was like, yeah, just went had a coffee. I had about three three coffees by the time it was like nine o'clock, just because there was nothing else to do. So all my stuff. Was I can inside. just imagine. I can just imagine like people diving back in there to save these people's lives, and Tom's just there going, "Do you want a flat white?" <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Thank God." Thank God I've got on my phone because contactless payment, <laughs> contactless payment saved us for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tom. Every yeah, cloud. Hey, um, yeah, exactly. Mate. <laughs> At least you remembered your phone because mm. that is the most important thing that you managed to pay for your coffee. You know, that is these, these problems you've I, got. I paid for my world. client's coffee as well. So Roz, oh, wow. Roz finally forgot her wallet. I was like, oh, it's all right. It's okay. It's all yeah. good. It's all good, mate. Um, very interesting, my morning. So... We're currently, it's like midday, late afternoon, yeah, me and Dan are recording this, just because basically after I, I just texted Dan, was like, on the plus side, I can podcast early today, um, yeah, 
get it in. Sit, mate. Yeah, like <laughs> well, I'm, I'm still in the office today, um, but luckily everyone's done the same thing. They're like, oh, we need to shoot off. We need to do this. And I was like, I was sat there going, oh, oh okay, if you have to, thinking, yes, I get to see my podcast early. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, it's um, no, it turns out to be. It's, do you know what? As well, here it's been the weirdest day. It's Obviously, been so. I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna say it's like cold, no fucking shit, Sherlock. But <laughs> it's been like at the moment. Obviously, you guys can't see, but there's direct sunlight outside that window. But yeah, an hour ago it was snow like teeming down with snow and it's been like sun snow sun snow for the last like five six hours it's really I mean, odd it's the same here like, um, I, I did an yeah. instagram story it was just and now it's burn, beaming with sunshine but it's fucking obviously it's cold but it's, it's one of those days snow today on the ground yeah. everywhere it's one of those days today where i'm so glad i don't work in football anymore you know those days <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. outside stood around like fuck me it's cold <laughs> um, so yeah we've um We've been luckily we've been inside, but um, but yeah, it's, I mean you know it's it's one of those funny funny spells of weather. But I found out today it is officially sixteen weeks to summer. Is that official? That's crazy. Does summer officially yeah. happen? Summertime, yeah. <laughs> British summertime. So it's like the seasons technically have a have a, a date to them, and yeah. it's technically summer starts like twenty first of June, twenty second of June, like that this year. Um, and I yeah, we're just we're just doing some. Looking around, realised it's sixteen weeks to get uh, in in shape for summertime. Are you ready, Tom? Are you, are you sixteen weeks away from abs? I think you need to lose a little bit, mate. I'm already there, mate. I'll lie to you. I'll definitely, lie to you. definitely got my ab. Um, definitely got my ab. It's all right. It's coming along. I, I've even had some. Uh, about three of my clients have been like, "You, you look trimmer, mate." I was like, "Yeah, this is the first weekend that I didn't uh, actually go mental, so I haven't had to yeah, rec- like, do a recovery yeah, diet get, on I the back get, end." <laughs> yeah, you're like I didn't, I didn't get boozed up for the two days, and I've had a shave, so I just, I just, I just look better because of that. Exactly. Um, they're probably right. just being nice because they don't want any uh, any conditioning at the end of their sessions. More than more than likely, I know some of them. Uh, um. Yeah, <laughs> if you um, if you are uh, looking to get in shape for summer, of course you do have 16 weeks. Um, if you want any help, let me know because obviously I can help you. Um, but not only that, it leads us nicely onto the first thing we're going to talk about, which is you might actually need to think about spacing your protein intake. Ooh. Quite well during that time. I, th- I think. I think before before about the you maintain before we t- we talk about this because uh, Dan's got a new microphone and some new headphones on, and it's just figured to me that he sounds like even more like a radio DJ uh, than he ever has before. DJ. <laughs> yeah. It's just triggered to me. I don't know whether because I'm wearing different headphones today, but because um, I don't normally wear my over ears, but. Yeah, you do. Well, you know me, mate. I've got this <laughs> You do sound like it's Bath City Radio. Welcome to Dan Meek. <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah, I think obviously it's just years of practice, isn't it? Listening yeah. to you and learning how not to do it. So I just, I just do, I just do the opposite of what you do. I've just got my blue, my snowball, my snowball sitting in front of me. We're all good. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So no, protein intake. To, to be fair, oh, shout no. out to Jabra Go. for these headphones. They are incredible. These Jabra headphones. I can't get over how good they are in an office environment. Um, it's they're like noise cancelling ones and we've had it before on we had like steve was there playing a youtube video quite loudly on his computer i recorded a video and you couldn't hear a thing it was it's it's technology is fascinating but anyway <laughs> um yeah so getting into um yeah i was going for a real nice smooth transition like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I Woods, interrupted. and tom just went in there and was like you're a dob <laughs> um, so yeah we we obviously today is the uh is a day that Brad Schoenfeld and Alan Aragon have released another paper, which is a uh, uh, not original research. It's just a review, basically, of you know the implications of how much protein you can use in a single meal. So it's kind of um, those guys have kind of taken it on themselves to kind of debunk a lot of the bro bodybuilder myths by doing these research reviews, essentially. So we've had fasted cardio, we've had nutrient timing, and this one now is around you know can your body use a certain amount of protein in one meal because again that's a common common myth you hear oh you can only digest 30 grams of protein or your body can only use 30 grams anything else is just wasted and pissed out not true um and yeah so we'll go into we're just going to go into a little bit nothing too crazy but we know you guys do like a paper or two so we'll just talk about um the implications for you guys if you're gonna you know you're thinking about dieting or you're thinking about building muscle tissue this sort of stuff is important to think about and we have talked about um calories and hitting calories and protein at the end of the day but protein is the one macronutrient that to be honest it's not a case always of just get it in over the day uh, there is an element of protein that's required to be spaced fairly evenly through the day uh, where possible of course we're talking about marginal gains but marginal gains on less make a difference you're not you're basically saying that if i just smash a whole chicken at the end of the day it won't 
won't have the same effect. Well, I'm saying it won't, it's not that it won't have the same effect. It's better than nothing. It's better than not having that chicken. But it's that you could be doing things a little bit more optimally, Tom. It's true. So don't go to KFC. I ain't got any chicken. Well, I mean, I'd fucking love to go to KFC, to be fair. Um, <laughs> Do you, reckon, do you reckon that was good marketing, or was that... I thought, it was, I thought it was pretty... I mean, I only saw it because someone pointed out that it was good marketing. So right. I, I see it because I'm not their demographic, because I don't eat KFC at the moment. <laughs> um, but yeah, I did see it, and um, I imagine in London it would have been all over the metro, right? I assume, so you would have seen it actually But the thing is, in London, you can't walk down another street that there isn't a chicken shop. So I don't really yeah. understand, unless KFC is particularly special. I mean, I, I don't... I. I cannot believe that people rang the police about it. It, it, it <laughs> yeah. baffled me. Like, and it's not even that's not even hearsay. Like the police have, have released a statement to say stop ringing nine nine nine. We know that there's no chicken at KFC. Yeah. I mean, it's just. That's I think people mad. do it just as a joke or whatever. I think it's ridiculous. But um, yeah. So. But anyway, this approach... research paper. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway, enough about KFC because I'm really hungry and all I can think about now is KFC. Um, so yeah, the, you know, we talk about protein and we talk about um, getting it in. Um, you know, over the course of the day and, and having regular intervals and basically just kind of revisited the idea that there isn't really a maximum amount that, you know, you need or that, you know, any, any of it's wasted or that if you only use 20, 25 grams or whatever. Um, but there's just this assumption that your body can only absorb um, a certain amount of amino acids in one hit from protein, say. Um, and it, it's not true. Like it doesn't happen quite like that. Your body will still digest all the protein and it will use all the protein. Protein has calories in it. It's an energy source. It can be oxidized for energy just like carbs and fats can. Um, so basically what happens is your body utilizes the amino acids it needs to utilize to, for example, um, increase muscle protein synthesis. And once it gets to that point, it will then use those amino acids um, for energy to oxidize. Um, or they go into the amino acid pool and they're there for um, longer time periods. And also the other thing that they talked about or looked into was uh, the absorption rate of uh, the protein. So obviously you've got fast acting proteins like whey protein and you have slow acting proteins like egg or casein protein, which is milk protein. Or most meats generally obviously are slower. Whey is the one that's typically quite fast acting. Um, so yeah, they just talked about that really, uh, and and I, without kind of reading it word for word from like the the study because obviously it's um it's a bit heavy uh, from that point of view. I'm just going to basically skip to like the conclusions and just basically go over kind of what they found. But um, they basically found that the regular meal feedings is very very important, and they found that roughly 0.4 grams. Uh, per kilo of body weight per meal is a good number to shoot for. Um, the number that you actually need is likely lower than that, but to be safe almost, it's like, let's have that amount just to make sure. Because um, they basically said that a lot of the problem with some of the research is that they'll give people, say, 20 grams of whey protein. Because it's so fast acting, it kind of like works and that's great and you can get all that amino acid, all the amino acids from that in and it, and it kind of it stimulates MPS and that's great. But what happens if it's a slower release protein? Because 20 grams might not be enough initially and some of those amino acids may be oxidized because it's a little bit slower release um, and that then has implications for not hitting MPS. So um, there are there, there's elements to, to like a lot of studies using just whey that's quite annoying because it's not very real world to kind of go, oh, we split this person's protein, daily protein into four servings of whey. It's like, well, not everyone's going to have four servings of whey. They're going to have chicken or egg or whatever. Um, so the other thing about protein, just before we go on, is that the other thing to remember is that we're not only talking about anabolic processes here, we're talking about preventing catabolic or being in a positive nitrogen balance. So we can spike MPS, that's one thing, but we also need to be in a positive nitrogen balance as well, which can prevent muscle protein breakdown. So there's two sides to the equation here. One is we want to stimulate muscle protein synthesis, which is making new muscle protein. The other half is we want to reduce muscle protein breakdown, um, which you can do with a slower release protein um, over time, for example, like overnight. Um, a lot of the time people focus on increasing muscle protein synthesis but they don't necessarily think about reducing muscle protein breakdown so if those two things are equal over the day you're not going to gain any muscle 
a lot of the time, most people don't have a problem spiking muscle protein synthesis. They have a problem preventing muscle protein breakdown, which is why things like casein protein or protein before bed is a good idea um, to prevent the amount of time your body doesn't have available amino acids. Um, but anyway, that's enough of the boring science shit out of the way. Um, but yeah, sort of they look at uh, over, over the course of the day around 1.6 grams per kilo of body weight per day for most people is okay to an upper limit of 2.2 grams per kilo of body weight per day for those people if they're a little bit older or they know they're susceptible to needing higher amounts of protein. Um, but even that is still quite low in my opinion. Um, but the, the basically the conclusion of this paper is we're all probably, you know, in the bodybuilding world, still eating too much protein. You really don't need as much as you probably think you do. Um, and there's also elements of carbohydrate and fat intake that will prevent muscle protein breakdown. Um, so just because you're overeating on protein and then if your protein says at three grams per kilo of body weight, that excess is probably just being oxidized or used as energy. And you could probably have it as carbs and fats and still have the same net effect at the end of the day. Um, but it depends on how you want to use that kind of insurance of having extra protein. Um, I've got some clients that are on a little bit higher than 2.2 grams per kilo. Um, but again, it's those people maybe that I know get a lot of protein from maybe incomplete sources or um, if they're vegetarian, when again, a lot of the, the amino acids may not be the essential amino acids that we definitely need. Um, so yeah, it's just worth thinking about. And, and again, it's one of those where these guys are obviously big on a bespoke individualized approach and they just mention that and saying, look, the numbers are somewhere between this and this. It's probably up to you to play around with finding where you recover best. But um, anything above 2.2 to 2.5 grams per kilo is probably at this point unnecessary for most people. The only reason you're doing it is just to be safe. Um, but like I said, remember that those extra calories you're ingesting could be better used at, for, at carbs and fats. And essentially, it's just the calories that are going to be oxidized, whether you have excess protein or the carbs or the fats. So peek behind the curtain. Tom, how, much pro- how much protein do you eat, Tom? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how much protein do I eat? I am currently at 87-ish kilos, and my protein intake is at 200 grams. So we're probably yeah. sitting at about 2.1, just yeah, below so the threshold. quite high, actually. Mine's, so I'm on 200, uh, and I'm 72, so I'm at 2.7, nearly 2.8. Yeah. So mine's a bit high. So I, again, I looking at that, I'd probably go, do you know what? I would think, right, I'm going to bring it down maybe and, and maybe have some cars. But again, I, I probably would only bring it to 2.5, to be honest, which puts me at 180. So I'm not a million miles away. No. Um, I do like eating protein, so I'm not I'm not that. So yeah, I, I probably, I, I always know I sit on the lower end of it because I would just automatically veer towards carbohydrates anyway. Um, so from any of the <laughs> shock horror, so any of the research that I've ever read, I've always heard on the low end of what the protein target is. Um, just because I know I'm then naturally going to have it. Like that's that I it, I kind of still have to force myself to get that high. So and really think about it. Um, just because I just don't bother. Like I grew up on fucking eating pasta and a heavy carbohydrate diet, and that's where I I go towards anyway. I just eat Weetabix for fun. Um, and the fact is that if I see my parents' fridge, which is basically what I ate as a child, it's there's fuck all protein in there at all. It's just mm. all oh, there's yogurt. That's about it. Like yogurt, yeah. Some like some sort of ham and meats and stuff. So I'm probably predisposed. Obviously, I'm more educated now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm about 200 grams. So from 87 kilos. So yeah, I'd say about 2.1. So the, definitely the lower threshold of what they're saying. Um, but yeah. we know it's we... just one of those as well to remember that it's not like it's it's not like it's wasted either. Like no. again, there's this view that like it's a waste. It's not a waste, like because protein does have a higher um, thermic effect. Um, it does keep you feeling fuller for longer. So what about the? It, uh... This is just the this what? is just the paper that they've just looked at how much protein you can use in a single meal for muscle building. So that is the limitation here. Is we're not saying that excess protein beyond that is going to be bad it's just you need to make sure that you're understanding why you're having the protein um, because don't forget when you're dieting there is an aspect of preventing hunger so having higher protein intakes will help with that so you have to remember that as a trade-off from okay am I going to 
am I going to have that extra protein because it keeps me fuller for longer rather than say carbs or fats? Um, so I think that when you're dieting, this is a little bit different, but if you're in off season, um, or, you know, bulking phase, whatever you want to call it, I always call it off season, but bulking phase, gaining <laughs> phase, um, there's an element there of you don't need as much protein as you think it's actually counterintuitive. You think that you need more protein when you're trying to gain muscle, but actually you need more when you're dieting, um, for those reasons that I just mentioned. So don't take it as like a, Oh my God, I can't go above 2.2 grams per kilo body weight. That's not what they're saying. It's just a case of for optimal muscle building is probably around that number. And any more than that, it's going to be used still, but it's probably not going to be used for muscle building. It's going to be used for controlling hunger or oxidized for, for energy like any other macronutrient would be. So what about, Dan, if I'm going to play devil's advocate, you're going to get this. Uh, probably, is it another myth? Um, I'm going to ask this now. Obviously, I think I know the answer. Uh, but for those no. health gurus out there and i know it's something that i've been asked before so the excess protein obviously you're saying that you don't actually have to but you can eat it if you want to what's the effect on kidneys absolutely none if you've got healthy kidneys um yeah it's it's one of those where if you've got healthy functioning kidneys then you're fine if you've got a pre-existing kidney disease um then it would be worth getting getting some advice from a gp and they're probably going to tell you to decrease it um but to play, again to play devil's advocate on that there's also a thing i read uh, lane norton put an article out about this very topic and he sort of said are people's kidneys basically if they actually had the extra protein even if they had kidney disease if they had the extra protein would it is it almost like regenerative would it force the kidneys to work better and actually be more efficient or is the fact that they don't have any protein contributing to the deteriorating effect of their disease uh, and i think he posted some research to show that actually some people with kidney disease had protein and actually didn't didn't negatively affect their um their function and the thing you have to remember here is that we're talking about numbers that are say you've got someone on 0.8 grams of kilo uh, per kilo body weight that's not a lot of protein. If you were to double that to 1.6, that could seriously help their muscle building effort. But that is, it's a high protein diet technically. But if your kidneys can handle that, then great. We're not suggesting people go on four grams per kilo. So this is where people start getting Ugh. to the extreme and go, you know, like who would go that high exactly? But it's it's one of those things where maybe actually going from 0.8 to 1.2. Four grams per kilo. Somebody is literally just, it's the old oh, yeah. thing of somebody just sitting there and eating like spoonfuls of protein powder without like mixing it and just... Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Powder straight um, in your face. But it's one of those where, again, rather than going from 0.8 to 1.6, you might even go to 1.2, you're going to get some positive effects of that increased protein intake. Uh, and if that doesn't negatively affect the kidneys, then they're great. And kidney disease runs in my family. Um um, my dad had it, and his 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 recommendation has always been eat low protein. Um, yeah. So and, and my... I, it's, a, it's doctor's advice. So you you don't you don't you're not gonna, I'm not going to try and go. No, dad, don't be stupid. Eat loads of protein. Obviously <laughs> not. Um, but it's just that element of he still eats enough protein. In my opinion, like he's not he doesn't cut it out. Um, but I, I recently went to get my kidneys checked to make sure I didn't have the same thing. Um, luckily, me and my brother both don't have it, so I'm now smashing protein in for fun. But um, no, even up to that point, I was like, well. I was like, I'm still going to have it because it's pretty healthy and it, it wasn't really, it was never really an issue for me. Um, but if I had got the news differently, maybe I would have thought about my protein intake potentially. But um, I don't, um, like I said, I don't think that 1.6 grams per kilo body weight is particularly high in my opinion. Um, when you consider they've had studies that show up to 4.4 grams per kilo body weight, shows no harmful effect on um, on kidneys in healthy people. Up to four, I mean, who the fuck would eat 4.4 grams per kilo? That's ridiculous. I, I couldn't eat that much protein if you paid me. I would hate it. It's just <laughs> protein is that thing you get in because you have to, not because it tastes good. Like it's the least tasty macronutrient, so you're not going to want to smash loads of it in. But um, it's just about making sure that. I think it's just one of those things where you have to think about your meals sometimes. And if you are chasing optimal performance or optimal physiques, you do have to think about your meals and think, right, am I getting enough protein and carbs and fats? And am I doing this the correct way? Because I'll still now make sure I get 20 grams of protein in every sort of three to four hours, like regardless of what phase of my journey I'm on. Um, it's just a habit that's ingrained in me now. So um, it's important that you you know you think about it that way rather than just going – if you, you know, 140 grams of protein short for the day, you just smash a chicken at the end of the day. I, I prefer you to go back and look at your habits and go, actually, do I need to change how I think about my food? Because that's going to lead to better recovery and better progress. Um, 
and, and again that's something that it might be seen to be a bit picky and a bit you know a bit a bit of a, a bit of an anal thing to do but it's the thing that will help recovery like the amount of times that clients say i need to boost my recovery and you look at their not having protein till dinner you're like well maybe if you had more protein during the day you know you, you'd have more chances to stimulate mps and you feel better boom yeah sorry i dragged on a bit guys <laughs> You know, Tom's going to lighten the mood now, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> we, talk, we thought we'd talk about it. It's just come out. So if you want a copy of it, I'm sure you can download it online somewhere. It's a free open access paper. Yeah. Um, so just search for the Journal of International Society of Sports Nutrition and you will find it. And it's snowing again. It's I told you, again. it was sunny like 30 minutes ago and it's, it's snowing now. It's sunny here. It's not snowing here, though. Um, Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I did have a few people ask for the paper that I, we were talking about last week. Um, the one I was talking about, that I posted about. Um I'm really not meant to share it, but I shared, shared it to a couple of people, but I'm not the only person who just posts it up on some sort of group for everybody to download. Because that's, that, <laughs> that's not right. Um, yeah, that's not a right thing to do. People are meant to pay for their, their study and what they've done. So they pay for the, the amount of time, seriously, like we used to do it at uni. Um, my, my supervisor used to say to me all the time, he said, find the paper, email the author, and they'll send it to you. Like he's like, yeah. the authors want their stuff read. They want it read. It's just that the journals are the ones that are charging for it. Like the uh, the author gets no money from you paying for access to a journal. But if you email the author, they'll just send it to you because they want their work read. Of course they do. Yeah. Well, otherwise, like, why, why so, would they do it? Exactly. So just <laughs> if if you do really want a paper, the amount of times you email the corresponding author and they'll send it to you is is amazing. And trust me, like, like, most time. most of the researchers and university lecturers aren't like Billy Big Time on social media as well. If you can find their social media pages, then they will respond. I posted about oh. that paper the other week and the person, one of the co-authors was like, yeah, this is amazing. I just saw the comments. Like, oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> they, had, like, they had less followers than me. Um, pretty sure they know a hell of a lot more than I do. Um, so yeah. Oh, they do. Don't, don't do what they do. <laughs> so lightning in the mood, mate. I went to Ollie and Steen um, this week. Or well, yesterday. So brand new. So it's, there's, there's a... Uh, it's a Danish bakery that oh, I've been to in Copenhagen. And uh, <laughs> so good. Right, so rivaling, mate. I realise it's probably a completely different category, but next time you're in London, you need to come. Um, so it's in <sighs> St. Christopher's yeah, Place in kind of Marlborough area, Bond Street. Close. And uh, Danish bakery, Ollie and Steen, or Lagerhusen, or whatever it's called. Um, but there is uh, what we need to do, basically... Next time we're off season, you can buy a cinnamon social. Um, so I bought a cinnamon social slice, which is about two quid, two and a half quid. So um, which was unbelievable. It was it was obviously more airy than uh, like the cinnamon bun at the Nordic Bakery. But yeah. you can buy a so a cinnamon social slice is about two quid. You can buy a whole cinnamon social for about twenty twenty five quid, and it's just like a meter length of easy of cinnamon roll and cinnamon bun. And, or you can get a chocolate one as well, laced in chocolate with it. I was like, mm. that is something to do. Um, that was basically Ollie and Steen, if you're in, in, in there around London. I believe there's one in around Leicester Square now as well. Um, but they are, they're class. Yeah, really good. Go there. Cool. I'd love mm. to. That's, that should be our next sponsor, mate. Let's get a bakery. Yeah, let's hope. Yeah. Let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, on the back of that, so we can go, we did get asked a question, so we might as well answer it, mate. And then uh, I've got one thing that I would like to talk about after it. So it was, uh, let's get rid of that. So potential topic, kind of career-centric, uh, for more for personal trainers, um, which I guess this podcast is kind of centralised around. Um, but a uh, person, a trainer has been working for about 15 years, uh, been working abroad for about 10 years, planning on moving back to the UK, that is, um, into London, um, and wanted advice on what you do moving from abroad to uh, a city, um, which they imagine is saturated with trainers, and they're planning on doing one-to-one work and online work and how to get go about it. They've got a couple of years before they move, so I guess action plans can start now if they really want, if they were heavily, heavily uh, organized. Yeah, f- firstly, f- firstly, it's a saturated market, but saturated trainers. So 
about it. Um, if you know what you're doing, because honestly, like I remember when I used to work with Tom at first base, we used to, you know, used to get um, when Tom was in charge a little bit. <laughs> um, you know when? the amount of people that used to like apply for stuff, and you were just like, "Oh my god!" Like this is like again, a lot of people have got a uh, level three, you know, reps level three. But honestly, that like, amount of times you you know people you get people in, you just be like, "No, they're just not good trainers." So you know, hopefully, if you're you know decent enough trainer, um, you know, you listen to us, which means nothing, I suppose. Actually, <laughs> um, you got the ability to click subscribe. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you, paid, if you paid attention to a few things you said, um, then you know it. You'll you'll know what the right thing to do is um, in terms of training clients and stuff like that. So that's the first thing I'd say is it's it don't if you go into it with the the mindset of oh it's saturated. What am I going to do? No, it's really not it's, that saturated. It's yeah, it's not saturated with good good people honest people to be honest would be a big standout as well i think from perspective of that your movement i guess dan can look at the perspective of moving completely city wise um i can look at the perspective of uh, working and living in london um and doing one-to-one stuff and a little bit of online i think you've got to pick one or the other obviously one-to-one in london will earn you more money um as far mm-hmm. as i'm concerned because people will pay more in london basically pt rates are higher um, so I charge 85 quid an hour. Um, so uh, ridiculous, by, ridiculous. By no ridiculous, means yeah. is that crazily expensive <laughs> for, uh, for where I am. Um, you can walk down the street into like a, a gym box and there'll be people charging 110, 120, 100, up to 150 easy. quid. Easy. Easy. Um, and I'll go out on them. I don't think they'll be as qualified as I am. Maybe not. They might be more experienced, for sure. They might have been in the game longer. That doesn't mean anything either. But... Like, the amount of times we've seen that, and it's like, oh, right. you've got 15 years experience, great. You Correct. can't do anything. <laughs> Just doesn't, useless. 15 years of what kind of experience? Was it yeah. good? Like, okay, yeah. cool. Um, Anyone can have 15 years of experience barking orders at someone. <laughs> doesn't make you a good trainer. Um, yeah, so I think I think the first like five, I guess, how many years are we into personal training now? I'm about five, six years in, really. Um, Five years. So I think the first three to four was doing a lot of technique work and now it's hell of a lot more about business. Um, so I think you've got to really get, I think you've got two years to move. So the fact is that you're going to be able to get all your technique stuff down. If you've been PTing for 10 to 15 years already, I'd hope you're systematic in the way you, you write programs, etc., like that. So you should hit the ground running in terms of that. Um, if you're going to interview anywhere or start up by yourself, I guess I would say go interview somewhere, try and get into a facility. Um, obviously, there's some that will be rental model. Um, that's only good if you've got a, a client base ready to go or you've got an action plan that you've got about three or four or five months rent sitting in your bank account that you're willing to bet that you'll you'll be able to build a business, um, which I think is tough. So this is why me and Dan went to TS because it was... It was salary and performance-based. Basically, we had a basic salary, and if we didn't perform, they'd up that basic salary, um, obviously. And if you did perform, then you got more money, basically. So that's why we were there, and that's what I would look for from a facility, personally, that's going to back you and help you basically grow. Maybe one with, like, an academy system or a learning system in business would be good. Um, and then start marketing yourself online. Fucking hell. Start trying to trying to put out whatever adverts it is, whatever thing niche you're going to do, go sign up with unknown Souk or look at some, well, just some of the stuff that they're doing. Because um, the fact is online fitness is not really my kettle of fish. So I get more referral-based stuff far more than that. Yes. Yeah, it's funny. I think I do it. It's looking back now from what I know and of how I've changed my approach of things. I would do things a lot differently at third space. I think if I was to go back now, um, I think initially I, no, I don't, I don't think I wasted time. I think that's the wrong term. Um, but we were very lucky that within the first six months, me and you were pretty much as busy as we ever were. Like yeah. we were after six, six months, I was doing 80, 90, hundred hours a month. Quite, quite kind of happy with that. And it was just a case of then every so often you get a new client and you'd be up to near that hundred mark. And I, I always had a number of hours I wanted to do because I did online on the side. But, um, so obviously whatever we did kind of worked and we were literally, I remember that first three months, me and Tom were literally going in at, at half five, 
getting up at half five, being in for seven. If we had a client or not, I was there. I was literally there at seven o'clock in the morning. If I had a client at nine, it didn't matter. I was there at seven and we stayed until late. We just stayed around all day. Like the amount of people who used to come to a couple of clients and then go and expect like the sales guy just to email them some leads. It was like, it was never going to happen. It never really happened that often. Um, whereas we were there. So the sales guy was the rest showing some around. He goes, oh, here's Tom. Tom's one of our trainers. He's really, really good at this and this and this. You sit down with that person. They'd be like, book in there and then in an hour. So turning up is number one and phil learning does a lot of good um a lot of good posts about this is like do not sit there on your phone or on your laptop looking busy like shining away from people hiding away in an office like be on the gym floor walk around talk to people have conversations like a normal human being <laughs> help people out cover classes get to know people i think um yeah don't, you know it, if you training in there like offer to help people for free if you're training just go oh, i do it a little bit like this or this is why i do this and you'd be amazed at how quickly people go oh i fancy a session with you because most people believe it or not who train in london gym can afford personal training i mean two, have, two of those stand out for us in terms of picking up probably clients that have stayed with us for the longest is number one people who've seen you train they probably want to train with you because they like the way you train um, or you've trained somebody. So make sure you're vocal when you're doing that and maybe you're, I don't know, don't be scared to just train with a bit of passion. Um, and then also cover classes. Believe it or not, both myself and Dan have done classes. I know it doesn't seem yeah. like it now, right? Um, people always laugh when, when they're like, really? You? You? I'm like, yeah, yeah, fuck it. Why not? I, don't, I had like, like two, I, three I classes a week. To- I still talk to someone who I did classes for. He never, I never trained him, personal trained him. Yeah. But like he was, he used to come to our classes and I still talk to him now. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. And I've still got a client from the very, my very first client, the first month I was at Third Space. I still train him now online, still. And it's like, that, that's the difference is that be that person. And I've seen people come in and they're really non, non-plus. They don't really care. They're not providing any value. Um, and I'll never forget again, the one thing that I think me and Tom do quite well, and I've banged on about it before, is my little, the one little saying that I always pass on to everyone who asks that question is the word personal is more important than the word training. You're speaking to people, you're socializing, you need to get to know them, help them out, be nice, be friendly, be someone that's there for them. If they just want to chat shit for half an hour and they don't really want to train, be the person that's going to listen to them for a bit. Like you're creating a relationship that's it at the end of the day it's um the training aspect comes secondary and it, it's a byproduct of, of getting to know that person they're going to buy in more to what you say what you do if they like you they get on with you and they think you're a nice person i thought you were um, going to say something totally different then and uh, <laughs> i thought you were going to say we're both pretty beast good the fuck out of uh, <laughs> uh cutting it when they're useless like if they're wasting my time, get rid of them. Like, don't. Well, there's that as well. That, that's that. But there's that. But like, that's what I mean. The amount I of times like, I've, I've like, had it before. I've it, had it before with clients, right? Where after two months, the relationship's just gone. Do you know what? This just ain't working, and that's fine. There's nothing. There's nothing to say that you're a bad trainer because you don't get on with someone, or someone's constantly yeah. late, or someone just winds you up because of the way they say things or won't do what you ask them to do. Like, don't be afraid of that because they're your billboard. Like. They need to be shouting about you. And I used to get clients from referrals quite a lot. Like I'd be like, someone would come over and be like, oh, I've seen you training my friend John over there. Um, and I'd like to get involved with training. He looks really trim. And he said he really enjoys it. Like, that is it. That's how you get clients in a gym. And I think, you know, if you are doing the online stuff, that's great. But it's a totally different ballgame. Like, you've got those, you know, two, three, five thousand people in that gym space. Try and get to know as many of them as possible. Why shout about what you're doing online when you've got those people ready there in the gym, training hard? You can see what their problems are. You can see what their weaknesses are. Go and fix them. Help them out. And, and just, um, just a little peek behind the curtain on that fact, on online training as well. Because um, So if my gym doesn't offer online training, but obviously I do as a service outside. And <laughs> within my gym, I have three, three or four people who I don't train but they signed up for online personal training. But they train at my gym where I train people. Pretty weird, right? But they know me in person. They know me personally. They listen to the show. But yeah, they, they signed up through there. So you, that, you can always shepherd them into that kind of avenue as well. You don't have to take them on one-to-one. If they know what they're doing, um, I'll shout out to Alex right now because he kind of knows what, he does, what he's doing. Big CrossFit guy, a bit weird. Um, but yeah, <laughs> he discovered it that way and he was just like, yeah, I don't really need you to stand over me for a while. Um, so, but 
I think he trusts what I'm doing. He's been injury-free for a while, so he's doing all right. We'll see if he comes back from New York just battered and bruised. He's probably listening to this in New York right now, so it'll be interesting. He even missed the uh, League Cup final for uh, to do one of my sessions so he didn't fall, fall behind. I was like, good man, good man. That's what we want, commitment. <laughs> Mental. He's an Arsenal fan, so I don't, I don't blame him. But, yeah. I was about to say. He, he's, <laughs> like, oh, he's like, oh, I don't know. But yeah, but also with the online stuff, I think it, it may, uh, I don't know, I think it goes with both. Um, in terms of once you get somebody in front of you or somebody that's starting to buy in or you've got the initial consultation, I think there's, there's certain skills and it's maybe, maybe for another show that we'll, we'll run down skills and questions and stuff that maybe myself and Dan use in initial consultations and it's something that I'm starting to, well, we'll be implementing at Third Space once the new, the new gym opens that we will be talking about 45-minute to 60-minute consultations, no movement screen, no nothing, just sitting down and talking with a trainer. And how often will that get you a lead generation? And that's basically a lead right in front of you and a chance you need to convert. And you can do that in the gym as soon as you walk in, right? Really, if you were like, oh, yeah, I've got a spare half an hour. Do you want to talk about lifestyle? And talk about that. Go grab a, it's just an easy chat, grab a coffee. But then you can utilize it. There's such methods that we can start to use to build it into a lead and build a profile and start to build a relationship. It's about having that relationship and an emotional response to some of the questions. You can turn them into basically business, um, which is this, is, this is all after getting, make sure you're a decent trainer before you do this. Otherwise you're just, you'll just be regurgitating all the way through and they'll just be basically going through one door and out, out the other basically straight away. They'll, you will never retain. So if you're constantly looking for clients all the time, then you've got a problem. Yeah. There's yeah, there's, there's there's some people that always seem to have times free um, for trainers, and they're always like, yeah, I can do it, I can do it. Really? Like you've had so many leads, it's unbelievable. <laughs> How is that possible? I don't ask for anything. Um, I, I think it's mental. Uh, anything to add on moving, Dan? I think there's the other question is moving city to city. Um. Because obviously, really, you, just like you say, have that safety buffer. Really, of just yeah. going up. Well, you know how much, um, you know, it's gonna, all going to cost you in terms of rent if you don't ha- make that much money first month, second month, whatever it is. So having that little buffer so that you know you're you're safe and you know you're secure financially. But it's no different. You know, I, it, London is busy. It's, I think it's fun. one of the big things in London as well. Group X is massive. Um, as far as yeah. I'm concerned, Group X. If I was to restart and go again and didn't well, obviously I've got more of a passion for training one to one, but Group X is huge. I'd get into it as much as I can. Um, yeah. Everybody runs classes. Everybody will pay for a good class instructor. Make sure you're decent at giving. I don't know some sort of motivational technique. Um, yeah, that will trump anything as far as I'm concerned. For the next <clears throat> five ten years, I think that'll be big. It might turn yeah. into small group, but it's still big. Cool. Cool. Agreed. Agreed. Lovely. Um, I want to briefly, because um, did a little did a little seminar on it. To be honest, on bands, we talk about. I think I feel like I talk about bands a lot and how they're misused. Um, mm-hmm. You're but, like the band Nazi. <laughs> so it was just it was just a general musing for people. Just just an FYI as well for just a little little knowledge bomb maybe um, for. So sidewalks, like mini band sidewalks that people do, right? So you've got like band placement. Um, so there's there's two generalized band placements for mini bands usually, or maybe three um, for like sidewalks and variations like monster walks and stuff like that. Um, number one, I, obviously this is very popular with, I think, I'm going to go on a limb, say before, the, uh, the more the female orientation would, will be doing a hell of a lot of banded walks. Agree? Agree. Yeah. Um, for some sort of glute activation or something like that, um, which is going to happen. Um, but the, really, within a healthy population, the, the, the mini bands, if they're like light and that movement doesn't really elicit much of a response or any muscle growth, more of an isometric contraction as well because there's, very, there's not much movement going on. Um, mm. There's no real full range. You're not really stretching or stressing the muscle at all really um which is not going to really grow that much to be honest you're going to feel it but it's an isometric contraction what do we need for we covered it on the last one eccentric contractions are probably king for that um 
So it doesn't elicit enough response for real growth. It's good within the rehab population because it's actually more like a 40% effort. And for mind-muscle connection, that's probably what it's really good for. So I'd use it as warm-ups and um, probably not a main exercise or within the, like, or even a B or a C exercise for me. I don't use it for that. I'll use it for either activation or at the start or rehab. Um, but band placement. Believe it or not, I think a lot of people put their band around the ankle. And I think this may be popularized, um, I guess, through Brett. I think Brett Contreras does it a fair bit. But again, we've been reading research a little bit lately, both myself and Daniel. Um, so I, I was reading a paper on um, EMG stimulation of basically like glute med, TFL, and any internal external rotators within band placement on a mini band during side walks and monster walks. So it, it was quite interesting because I think a lot of people would normally go mini band round the ankle during a sidewalk or a monster walk, but actual fact, um, round the ankle will increase internal rotation, so activation of, a, of the TFL, so the tensor fascia latae is an internal rotator, and we're not looking for internal rotation of the hip when we're doing this, especially when we're looking for external rotation, which is a glute med if we're trying to get that guy, or your glutes firing. That's generally what people will say. So you're looking for external rotation, not internal. And the fact is an ankle, the ankle placement increases internal rotation and in TFL, um, basically EMG. Um, whereas putting it around your feet, the soles of your feet, and putting it around that way, uh, you started to externally rotate naturally and kind of slide out um, so you weren't hitting pronation on your foot. So you started having your feet outwards, which increases external rotation. So glute med was far more active during a band placement of under the foot, not on the ankle. So go try it. The research has been pretty cool, EMG activation. I know, like a lot, obviously the glute guy is big on that. Um, so it'd be interesting to see. He's got an EMG machine as well. Maybe he'll replicate the study. Um, but... Yeah, go try it. See what happens. As far as I can see, the research is pretty sound. Um, it's pretty should be pretty easy to do and replicate study-wise. So go try underfoot mini band instead of around the ankle. See what happens because you're far more likely to externally rotate, and that's the whole fucking point. Bam. Yeah. Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> Maybe you hit some better glutes as well. Better glutes. Everybody wants better glutes, don't they, Dan? Of course they do, mate. Of course yeah. they do. So yeah, round the foot. Not round ankle. See you later. If you're doing if you're doing sidewalks or monster walks, that is obviously the bands gonna get torn up. So if you have got the extra expense of paying maybe every three four months for new bands, only the mini bands only cost about ten quid anyway. So you're right mm. for a set. Wonderful, Dan. Anything more to add on bands? What are your free top band exercises? Uh, I don't really use them anymore <laughs> at all. So you use them on like to... lifts and stuff, eh? You used to, you used to, oh, you used to be king of like accessory fans. Uh, only if someone else is like if Steve's right to put them on. I'll, I'll jump in and do them, but <laughs> I don't. I'm not that big on them. Like uh, they're useful, obviously, to a degree, but I'm weak enough as it is, mate. I just need to lift more plates. Like never mind bands. Dan, uh, Dan, Dan's first uh, viral video was uh, <laughs> was a banded incline press with about thirty. Kilos. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just got ruined. <laughs> and then uh, what Dan didn't realise that he needs to lift more load. Um, yeah. yeah. But what some people don't realise as well from from the trolling was that the bands apply load. Like, yeah. They're just like, they were like, oh, you need to wait on there. I'm like, oh, you're an idiot. <laughs> this is including me. I was just like, mate, just lift some more. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, wonderful. Yeah, maybe. Maybe banded bench press is Dan's favourite. <laughs> <laughs> I like monster walks and banded walks. Pretty cool. Tricep pull downs if I need to. Superset them with some uh, just blitzing away. Bam. Get some extension in there. Make them yeah. burn. Um, I do like banded bicep curls as well. They're fun. Just under four. Also banded RDLs um, or good mornings. Activation stuff. Easy. Mm -hmm. Really easy, easy queuing. Yeah, but stupid things, Dan. Ooh, that sounds like bollocks. Probably because it is. Stupid things on the internet this week. Mm. Um, which is not, which is we haven't gone online today because it happened in, in person this week. Um, I think it was on. I think yeah, it was yesterday morning. Um, so it's something that I think 
when I would tell somebody I do online training, this is something that they think I do, but I think is ridiculous, um, is as somebody goes to the gym, and then like myself and Dan are talking to each other on Skype or FaceTime right now. No, they didn't. And, uh, no, they didn't. So what a lot of people think is that I will be on FaceTime and somebody will be at the gym and I will physically be talking to them on FaceTime whilst they train and tell that. them what Someone to do. Someone did not do that. So, <laughs> so there was a person, I, I think it might have been a guest, that I haven't seen them before in the gym. Um, and... There was their coach was on FaceTime and they'd put their phone to the side and then I could I could I would just pop popping my head around every now and then because I couldn't couldn't help it but I was looking and they were like doing some like lateral raises with the dumbbells and then their coach would be like yeah one more set and then in doing doing the movement can you can you do these have you, can you find some equipment to do this and some flies and stuff like that can you go and they're like yeah yeah we can go go find that movement and then I was like. I looked at the other one of the other trainers in the gym. I was like, "Is this actually happening?" I was like, "They're actually doing in-person online training." <laughs> oh, God. This, is, this is something that I always thought would happen, but I don't agree it can happen because the whole point of having a physical coach is you can stop somebody right there, move them. Actually, the art of touching somebody and people like <laughs> sounds really like creepy. Sounds people really like weird. fucking yep. being touched. Because it'll put them, <laughs> they've got an external stimulus to put them in place, and people there. But having a screen tell you what to do, <laughs> live, unbelievable. It was uh, unbelievable. Plus your movement, like work it out. Because you, it was really awkward. I felt like when obviously they're just doing their set, the woman on Facetime just staring at them. <laughs> just, you kind of just yeah, you're staring just like yeah, one more. Well done. That's ridiculous. And then you could <laughs> you could tell they were just checking to the side. Like, oh. Am I really this? Am I done? What am I doing in my right. life? Jesus that's Christ. that's enough for today, Tom. We can see that. That's it. Do, do people make that mistake thinking that's what you do? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I've had people ask me that before, but I instantly just go, "No, don't be so stupid." <laughs> but, but now I can't because people have done it. So yeah. Uh, right. Uh, so if anybody does that, uh, please tell me how it works. And if anybody's got any views, please. Uh, and if anyone wants me to do that with them, I will try it. <laughs> I mean, I'm open to anything. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right, that goes from uh, our slightly mental Tuesday. Mental week, mate. I saw that. And yeah, snow, sun, fire drills. Dan's got a flat tire. Um, oh, fucking no. Don't talk about that shit. <laughs> it's been a good week. It's been interesting yeah. so far. Um what else? I can't wait to be back in February. February. I want to arrive now. <laughs> yeah, March is next week, right? Isn't it? So, um, cool. Anything else to state? You got any announcements you need to make? No, no announcements. No uh, announcements. Other than, yeah, like I said at the start, if you're looking for any help and you want to get your summer body rocked out, wow. ready to go <laughs> in 16 weeks, you need to get in touch with me now um, because soon you're going to run out of time. Um, so yeah, you just want your other than get that, your body no. rocks, then slide into Dan's DMs, then you're fine. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's hella lit, mate. I'm down with the kid. <laughs> Not All right, like that that's a bit, it sounds a bit weird. Yeah. No. On on that note, uh, we'll end it there, boy. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Go share whatever. Um, follow us on Instagram. Do what you like, um, and we'll catch you next week. See you later.